Amen. Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. We're going through the book of 1 Peter on Sunday morning, so if you want to follow along, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 9 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. While you're finding your place uh, there today, just a couple of uh, things. First of all, I just, I can't tell you how encouraged I am about the turnout for our Bible study through Revelation on Tuesday nights. When a church, when a local church can get over 50% of the people who come on Sunday to come in a midweek Bible study, that's really exceptional, really good. And we're getting over 50% of the people who come to our church or make up the number of our church, we're getting over 50% on Tuesday nights. I just just thank you all for your love of the word. And and when you are able to come, you come out on Tuesday night. So just a reminder, Tuesdays, 7 o'clock over there. Again, going to be in Revelation 5 looking at the worship of the Lamb of God this Tuesday. Um, And then I just want to throw this out uh, to the gals here this morning. I have the privilege of being able to share with the gals on Thursday night this week. They're sort of taking a a little break from their normal study on spiritual gifts. And so I just want to personally invite, even if you as a gal can't make it out every Thursday to their Bible study, and and you can make it this Thursday, I'd love to, I know they would love to have you come, bring a friend with you. It's over in the cafeteria where we meet on Tuesday night. Uh, We're going to be talking about the God within us, getting to know the Holy Spirit. And I think it'll be a great encouragement and uh, hope that you can uh, join us uh, for that at 630 on uh, Thursday evening this week. Well, last week, Peter was talking to us about the importance of being aligned with Christ, being in right relationship. To Jesus Christ. And he uses the concept of the cornerstone. And so we all have to, you know, sort of say, am I in right relationship with the cornerstone that God has set in place, Jesus Christ? Then Peter says, then after we are aligning ourselves with Christ, we understand that If I'm in right alignment with Christ, I will also be in right alignment with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I will allow God to set me in place in a spiritual house, a local assembly, a local embodiment of the body of Christ. And and I will then be aligned with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we talked about the importance of that last week. Being in right relationship with God, being in right relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and seeing how, you know, my vertical relationship with God obviously affects, or in a positive or negative way, my horizontal relationships in my life. It is out of this basis then, out of this foundation, that now Peter tells us that God will call us to be witnesses for him to those who do not know him, who do not have a relationship with him. In fact, he says, this is why we are the objects of God's favor, is one of the reasons is so that we might proclaim the virtues of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
So we're going to talk about what that means today. And it sort of even answers one of the questions sometimes that believers have is that why when I become a Christian, doesn't God just zap me and take me to heaven? It'd be so much easier that way. I wouldn't have to go through all the lifetime struggle and everything. Why does God leave us here? Well, one of the main reasons why God leaves us here is because he has a calling for each of us. That every one of us, as children of God now, who are in right relationship with Jesus Christ, and who are now building relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, it is out of that environment that God wants us to be energetic messengers of his excelling qualities to those around us who do not know him, you see. And that's why God leaves us behind, because we always have a purpose. We always have a mission, if you will, in life as Christians. We should never get up any day that we are alive uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ and go, I wonder what my purpose or you know, mission is for being alive. We can always at least go back to a couple things. One, every day we have the the privilege of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. They have the privilege of loving our neighbor as ourselves, And we have the privilege of being strategically placed by God in this world to be a witness and a messenger of his virtues to those around us who do not know him yet. And so that's what Peter wants to talk to us about. And the reason he talks to us about it from this foundation is he's saying, guys, you will never be an energetic messenger and witness for Jesus Christ if you don't stay aligned with Jesus Christ and you don't stay aligned with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because you're going to need not only to be in right relationship with God, but you're going to need their prayers and their encouragement and their support. Because obviously, when we come together corporately as God's people, you know, it's sort of a rallying point. And we come together to remind ourselves, you know, we're not out there in the world all alone. Even though many of you may go to school and work and you live in communities where you're like, you might be the only Christian witness, And sometimes even Christians go, God, why? Why am I the only Christian in in my neighborhood? Why am I the only Christian at my job? Why am I the only Christian, you know, here and there? And we have to look at it from a totally different perspective that God has given you and I the privilege of being strategically placed around these people who don't know God so that we can shine his light. And so maybe they will be able to see that there's a God who is real and who does take people out of darkness and places them into his marvelous light. That's why, you see. And so we wake up every day with that purpose, with that mindset. And so Peter wants to remind us of a few things. Because if we're going to be energetic witnesses and messengers, there's things that we've always got to be mindful, we've got to remember, we've got to be aware of. And the first thing we see is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Let's, let's read it. You can follow along. Peter says, But you are, in contrast to those who stumble over the cornerstone because they disobey the word of God, he says, You all are dramatically contrasted to them because you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
He, he names us these magnificent titles, if you will, or descriptions of who we are as the people of God. And he reminds us again, we are objects of his divine favor. We have been set apart for God. We are his special, treasured, purchased possession through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's very interesting to me that each of the titles that Peter, in a sense, adopts and and places uh, on the church now, in the New Testament age, are also descriptions of Israel in the Old Testament. Now please, I don't believe anywhere in the Bible that the church replaces Israel. I think properly to understand and interpret especially prophecy, Israel and the church must always be kept separate. But hear what I'm saying here. I think when Peter uses the same terms that God used in the Old Testament to describe the calling on the nation of Israel and now applies these same titles to the church, what he is saying is this, that in this time, in this age, we have the same privilege as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that Israel was called to during their time. And once again, we'll be called to one day when God redirects his attention solely back to Israel after the rapture of the church during the tribulation period, Daniel's 70th week. And that is that we have the same privilege that Israel had. That was to be called out by God to be his chosen nation, his chosen people, to shine forth to those nations around them and to the people around us of who God really is. To be accurately representing who he is to everyone around us. That was the calling of Israel. God didn't choose Israel to be his chosen nation because they were better than other nations on earth. Because as a people that somehow they were better. We know, looking at the history of Israel, that most of their history is they never lived up to the calling of God on their life. They never were consistently the light amongst the pagan nations of the world. Many times they entered into idolatry and they fell away from God. And they were unfaithful and disobedient. And God continued to have to draw them back to himself because he said, I have a mission for you. I have a purpose for you. I want other people in this world to see me through you. It was a great privilege, but also a great responsibility. And many times they dropped the ball. And we could say the same thing about the church for the last couple thousand years, that the church has had periods where it was a glorious witness of who God was. And that people could actually see the reality of God in the church, just like at times they could in the nation of Israel. But there were many times where the church was not living up to who God called us to be. That we didn't realize that we were a chosen race, a a precious people, you see. And that we forgot the privilege that God has given us to be his light And to shine that light to those around us. And so Peter starts out in verse 9 by basically saying to us as the church, as the believers in Jesus Christ, that every day we should wake up and be mindful and remember and be aware of the privilege that God has given us. The privilege. Because we, as human beings, 
fallen human beings who are forgiven through Jesus Christ. We have the privilege every day of those who've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have the privilege every day of proclaiming, Peter said, the virtues, the excelling qualities is what that word means in the original language of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And by the way, the word proclaim here means to be an energetic witness or messenger. That's what God calls us to be. Energetic. Not just going out there and, you know, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Has he made a difference in your life? Yeah, he's made a great difference in my life. Really? People are going to be attracted (laughs) to that? See, Part of why God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit is so that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, self-control, and all the fruit of the Spirit and everything can be bubbling out of us so much that, that people just note and notice a difference that God makes in our life in such a dramatic way that Peter later on is going to say, they'll even approach you and ask you, what is the reason for the hope that is in you? We live in a pretty hopeless world. We we live in a world of chaos. We live in a world of no direction. And and it's just, it's going to get worse. And so it makes it even all the more relevant and reasonable and, and proper for Christians to get a hold of our calling and to realize the privilege we have that God has strategically placed us in this world at this time to proclaim His virtues. Because we no longer are living in darkness. We are living now in his marvelous light. I hope you're living there. Because if you're a Christian, you should be living in his marvelous light. And that word means to means to, to have a, a, a superior understanding, in a sense. An insight, a perception that others who don't have God in their life could never have, you see. We're going to come back to the importance of that later on in the message. So the first thing Peter says is, do we realize the privilege we have of being an energetic witness for God and realize that everywhere we go, that there's going to be people who don't know God, who are going to be watching and observing and listening to us. And do we realize that that every day we live, you know, we can make an impact on eternity by the things we say, the things we don't say, the way we act, the way we don't act. Let's remember our privilege. Secondly, he says, we've not only got to remember our privilege, we've got to remember and be mindful of our past. Because notice what he says in verse 2. He reminds us, you were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. In the original, doesn't really capture it in the English translation. He's simply saying that before we knew God, we weren't continually receiving his mercy. Folks, even people who don't know God are receiving his mercy. They just don't know it. What Peter is saying is, but after a person comes into a right relationship with God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're continually a recipient of his mercy. And his mercy here is his support, his help, you see. And sometimes even Christians, we don't know it. But he wants to remind us, folks, do you remember what it was like without God in your life? 
We should always, we should never live in the past as a Christian. We should never dwell on our past as a Christian, but we should be mindful of, of how far we have come only through God's grace and mercy. We should be mindful of the fact, like the psalmist said, that, that I remember that God lifted me out of that miry clay and set me on a rock. That God brought me out of the depths of darkness, of spiritual ignorance and, and not being able to understand spiritual things and not having a proper perspective on life and eternity. And now I'm able every day to walk in his marvelous light and I can see things I couldn't see before and I can understand things I could not understand before and I got to realize how far I've come and it's only through God. That like Paul said to the Ephesians, God has taken us from the lowest depths to the highest heights because he seated us with Christ in heavenly places. And he's saying, guys, don't ever forget what it was like without God. Hopefully that will motivate us not only to be energetic witnesses, but in a sense to almost have a, a, a greater feeling, if you will, and inspiration and motivation to be a witness to those who don't know God. How many of us as Christians have even said throughout our Christian life at certain times, man, it's hard to live life even with God. What's it like for people who don't have God in their life? And many of you, you know exactly where I'm coming from because you were there like I was. You have tried to navigate life without God for a while. And we should, again, never live there, never dwell there, but we should always be mindful of our life before God and what God has done for us. Peter says this might help us to be more of an energetic messenger and witness of God to those around us who don't know him like one time we did not know him. So Peter says, remember our privilege, remember our past. Then up in verse 11, he tells us, remember your future. He says, dear friends, which means precious ones, greatly loved ones. Many English translations use the word beloved, not only by God, but by him. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Stop there. Those two words are huge. First of all, Peter again is reminding us in this book that this is not our permanent home, that we're living amongst many people who are not like ourselves. We're foreigners. Our home is heaven. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. We should, as he told the Colossians, set our heart on things above, not things on earth. Jesus said to Christians, lay up treasure in heaven. Where moth or rust cannot corrupt instead of things on earth. We should be heavenly minded. We should understand we have something beyond this life that we're living for. We're not just living for the here and now that will one day slip through our fingers. We're living for eternity. And so he's saying always be mindful of the future. We're exiles. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're just passing through to what really matters. All of eternity. And he says, should that not motivate us to be energetic witnesses when we realize that whether I live for 50, 60, 70, 80, even 100 years on earth compared to eternity, it's nothing? 
absolutely nothing. He says, let's never forget that we are foreigners. And, and, and therefore, too, we have limited time on earth to be energetic witnesses. One day, when God comes or we die, we're going to be in glory for all eternity. And the only thing that's going to matter, Peter has told us earlier, is our relationship to this book and our relationship to the souls of other people. Because those are the only two things that are eternal that we come in contact with on this earth. Everything else is gone. Can't take anything else with us. Nothing transfers over. The only two things that transfer over to eternity is my investment in the Word of God and my investment in other human beings. So Peter says, should not we remember every day that we're just passing through? We're foreigners. We've been strategically placed by God, in a sense, behind enemy lines so that we can proclaim the virtues of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Very little time, very short time. James calls it a vapor, our life, that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He says, shouldn't we be living every day trying to use our life and our witness to reach other people for Christ? Because Peter is saying to us here what the clear priorities of every believer in Jesus Christ should be. We should be aligning ourselves with Jesus Christ, making our relationship with him the priority. We should be making sure that we are aligning with our brothers and sisters in Christ, making our relationships with them a priority. And out of those relationships, then God can use us to proclaim the virtues of him to those who don't know him. And then Peter tells us, not only should we be mindful of our privilege, mindful of our past, mindful of our future, but be mindful of the fight we're in too. Because when God saves us and places his divine nature inside of us and places the Holy Spirit of God within us, he doesn't take out The fallen nature. Now the divine nature is much stronger. But the fallen nature is still present. And that's why he tells us then in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against the soul. He says, folks, if we're going to be an energetic witness... We're going to keep that vitality and energy for God alive. And we're going to be out there every day being the messenger for God and the witness we should be. Then we've got to be mindful of the fight we're in every day. And I know where some Christians are going to go with this. They're going to say, well, wait a minute. If I'm engaging in this fight every day, isn't that going to sap me of the energy? No. See, here's what happens. The Bible teaches me that I'm to fight this fight, fight this good fight against my own flesh in his power, not mine. And so therefore, I'm not losing power and strength and energy and vitality by engaging in this fight. Because this fight against my flesh needs to be fought in the power of God, dependent upon the Holy Spirit. What will set me of my energy and strength for God and my witness for God is sin. That's what will set me of my energy and strength for God. And so he says, if I start giving up the battle, if I start giving in to sin, 
and I stop fighting this in the power of God, I won't have any energy left, any vitality left to be a witness and messenger for God because sin will sap me of all that energy. So I got to be mindful of the fight, which is all the more reason why as Christians, we need to make sure that we stay growing, stay maturing, stay in the word of God, stay in fellowship with God and other believers, because we're going to need that internal strength that only comes from God to fight the good fight against our flesh. Because it's there. Oh yeah, the spirit of God in me is greater than my flesh. But God still, even as a Christian, gives me the choice. I can either choose to follow the Holy Spirit, follow God, or I can choose to follow my flesh. And if I get into a weakened condition, even as a Christian, I'll start giving into my flesh instead of saying no to my flesh and having the strength to say no to my flesh and yes to God. Fight the fight. I like what D.L. Moody once said. He said, the greatest problem in D.L. Moody's life is D.L. Moody. And I'd have to say, the greatest problem in Jeff Royce's life as far as spirit is Jeff Royce. When we come to that recognition as a Christian, then we're not blaming everything primarily on the devil. We're not blaming everything primarily on other people. We're recognizing that the biggest problem that each of us has, even as a Christian, is my own fallen flesh that still exists within me. It's exactly what Paul said to the Romans. He said, even as a Christian, he said, I have this law of the life-giving spirit of God in Christ Jesus inside of me. But there's this other law, too. And it fights, it battles. And the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things that I don't want to do, I, and oh, he said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, oh, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. But folks, until we lay this physical body down that still has that fallen nature contained in it, this battle will go on. And unless we're mindful of that battle every day, then we will start to allow sin to to get a hold on us to the point where the energy and vitality to be a messenger, especially an energetic messenger for God out there in the world, will be gone. Because we'll be more focused on the battles within us than going out there to the world and fighting a battle for God out there with people that don't know him. And then he says... Let's also remember the opportunity that God gives us. Let's remember our privilege, remember our past, remember our future, remember the fight, but remember the opportunity. Notice what he says in verse 12. And maintain good conduct among the non-Christians so that though they may malign you now as wrongdoers or troublemakers, they may see one day your good deeds And glorify God when he appears. Peter's saying, do you realize as a Christian that we have an opportunity every day to maintain good conduct amongst those that don't know God around us? By the way, those words in the original language speak of a life that is attractive, a life that is appealing A life that will draw others. We could use the word winsome, which literally means to win some from its Latin base. That kind of a of a demeanor, carrying ourselves in such a way that we draw people to God rather than 
push people away and repel them. That's what he's talking about. That's the kind of attractive, admirable, appealing lifestyle that Peter says, we have that opportunity every day. And he does say, hey, initially, as they watch you and get to know you, yeah, they might malign you. They might insult you, verbally abuse you, misrepresent you because they don't have God. But over time, he says, as they observe and watch you, that through your consistency and through you, in a sense, providing yourself a platform of credibility into their life, some of them might actually come to know God. And then their understanding and perception of God will change. And guess what? then their understanding and perception of you will change as well. They'll no longer malign you as troublemakers, you Christians who are always causing trouble, but they'll see the value and worth of your life. This is the opportunity we have every day. This is why God doesn't zap us to heaven. One of the reasons. Because God wants to create in His people energetic witnesses and messengers who will be willing to go out there strategically placed by God. Yes, you may be the only Christian in your workplace. You may be the only Christian in your class at school. You may be the only Christian in your family. You may be the only Christian in certain places and wonder, God, why? Don't look at it that way. Look at it that God thinks enough of you that he has strategically placed you amongst all those non-Christians so that if you'll just align yourself properly with him and align yourself properly with other believers, you can become such an energetic and an important witness for him that as you begin to proclaim the virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, other people over time through your platform of credibility that you've created by the way you lived your life in such an attractive, appealing, admirable way, might be drawn to your God. That's the opportunity. And then Peter talks about the responsibility. Look at what he says beginning in verse 13. He says, be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake whether to a king as supreme or to governors as those he commissions to punish wrongdoers and to praise those who do good. For God wants you and me to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Live as free people, but never using your freedom as a pretext, as an excuse, as a justification for evil or sin, but as God's slaves. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Our responsibility. Here in a nutshell is what Peter is saying. Christians, we're never going to win non-Christians over to our way of thinking, to our morality, to our philosophy of life outside of the systems that already exist on earth. We will reach them, if we reach anyone, from within these broken human systems that exist on earth. Very important for us to get that concept. Think about through the Bible. God used Joseph 
in Egypt under Pharaoh. God used Daniel in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. After, I mean, you could go on and on. God didn't change the human system that they were in because God's greater than those human governments and leaders and systems. What God wants to do is to use his people within the systems as broken as they are that already exist to show people the difference, you see. Another thing this means is this. Though I applaud and appreciate any Christian who is willing to get out there and run for political office and be part of the political process and make sure that we have good people in positions of authority and government at all levels from the community to the state to the nation to the national level that Peter is reminding us as Christians that the only way non-Christians especially are ever going to change their morality or their mindset or their philosophy is when they get converted to Christ. That's why the predominant purpose of Christians in the church needs to be, we need to get out there and see people saved. Because it's only when they get out of the darkness that they're in and come into his marvelous light through the blood of Christ, through conversion, that the light bulb goes on and they go, oh, I understand now how wrong that is. See, we can't expect non-Christians who are living in darkness to somehow get it, get our morality to get our way of looking at things, to get our philosophy. It will never happen apart from Christ. Now again, I'm not saying we should not be part of the political process. We should. But he also says to Christians, you also be subject to human authority. You willingly place yourselves under human authority. Because I'm greater than whoever and whatever is over you. And I can use you to influence people below you, beside you, above you, because I'm not limited to what system I work in. The only limitations God has is, are we willing to be used by the God of the universe to proclaim his virtues to those who are still living in darkness and need his light? That's why the church's primary purpose should be, let's get out there and witness. Because, yeah, I realize, we could witness to 10 people. We could share our faith or seize the opportunity to share our faith with 10 people. And maybe nine of them would just completely blow us off right away. But maybe out of every 10, there's one person that would be willing to talk to us about Jesus. Maybe there would be one person that would be interested in some kind of spiritual conversation. And maybe through observing us over the long haul or getting to know us a little bit better, they see the reality of what God's done in our life and how he's made the difference in our life. And it's not going to come through us somehow working outside the systems that already exist, Peter says. It's that we have the responsibility of God of actually working within these systems as broken as they are because that's where they'll really see the reality of God. 
Not when everything is going our way and everything is lining up the way we want, but actually that our God is so great that everything either in our own country or in this world could be against us and we're still victorious. We're still conquering. We're still more than overcomers through him who loved us. See, that's the difference that Pharaoh saw in Joseph. That's the difference that Nebuchadnezzar eventually saw in Daniel. This guy can even be thrown into a lion's den. Everything can go against him. And yet his God, and he, they're, they're greater than anything we can throw against them. Too often as Christians, we're like, man... Our country's, you know, leadership and, and all this. Is, I get it. <laughs> but what a great opportunity we have to show them of the greatness of our God, that God is bigger than any human leader. He's bigger than any human government. He's bigger than this world. And He can reach people and bring all of them out of darkness into their His marvelous light, if we as the church will just rise up and begin to be who He's calling us to be, to be a group of people who are willing to go out there and be energetic messengers and witness and proclaim the virtues of the one who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's our responsibility. That's why He says in verse 15, you want to know what God's will is for your life? Here's one of God's big wills for our lives. To silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. That's how we silence. Attacking a person who has no acquaintance with God about their morality and their philosophy of life and their, the way they look at things. How can we expect people who are living in darkness to understand his marvelous light until they are converted to his marvelous light? That's why Peter is saying to us, hey, God's called you to be involved and, and help get righteous people back into ruling and governing and whatever, go for it. But never lose sight of the fact that God also wants all of us as Christians to not only be good citizens, to obey the laws and all of that, but He wants us to be out there witnessing for Him to those who are in darkness. And letting them see the superiority of those who have found the light of God in our lives. So Peter says, church, will you be an energetic witness with me? Will you be an enthusiastic messenger for God with me? And let's remember, Peter had to go through some growth to get there. Because let's remember... Peter was the one, when he had an opportunity to speak up for God, at one time said, I don't even know the guy. Remember, so be encouraged. And yet, when Peter, now I'll say it this way, when God finally got a hold of Peter, that was the same guy that weeks later, 
was standing up in front of thousands of people and unapologetically and boldly and courageously talking about Jesus Christ and his faith. And the Bible says thousands of people came to know Christ as their Savior. Can God take us as human beings who are not willing to, you know, be witnesses and messengers for him? And can he transform us through the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. The disciples are a great example of that. These guys were changed through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is why Jesus said in Acts 1.8, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Then you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Church, we need to be empowered by the Spirit so that we can be out there proclaiming the virtues of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. As we close today, I want to close with this. Is there someone or even a small group of people right now that God is, is, is showing you, laying on your heart, that, that you know that this is why God has you where he has you? Is because there's a face that's coming to mind. There's, there's some names that are coming to mind of people who are non-Christian, who don't know God. And the reason why he has you around them is because he has strategically placed you there so that you can be a witness and a messenger for him to their life. And will you commit today to saying, Jeff, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm waking up with a whole different attitude and perspective on my daily life. Because I'm recognizing now what I can grab a hold of and, and what can inspire me and motivate me to get out there and be the Christian that I know I should be and could be. And that is that there are still many people around me living in darkness and they need to see the light of Jesus Christ in my life. May God use all of us to begin to bring people to Him and that people might see the reality of what God has done in our lives through us so that they might be drawn through our appealing, attractive, admirable way of living. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the privilege all of us as Christians have of being used by you to impact other people. God, that, that, that is just beyond. Because Lord, all of us here if we were honest, we know how frail and fragile and feeble, fallen we are. And yet, God, this is your plan and this is your only plan. You've always said, my plan is to reach other people in darkness with those who've been drawn out of the darkness into my light. And so, God, I pray today for those of us here who are truly living in your marvelous light. God, that we might never forget those who are still in darkness. And that we might remember that every day we have the opportunity, the privilege, the responsibility to be Jesus to them. God, as we sing this last song about all that you've done for us through our salvation, all that we have through Jesus Christ, may we also be inspired and motivated today, Lord, to share it with those who don't know yet. And regardless of how many 
doors get slammed in our face, no matter how many conversations get shut down, no matter how much verbal abuse and insults we may take when we try to share our faith with those we just simply want to share the love that you have for them with. God, may we never get frustrated. May we never get disheartened. May we rally together and encourage and support and pray for one another and get back out there and continue to take his life to a world that desperately needs Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. 